Welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, presented by Roast House Pub and Idiom Brewing Company in Frederick, Maryland, as well as Havoc Brew Supply, the one-stop shop for all of your brewery's needs. Check them out at hophavoc.com. Hey everyone, I'm your host Chris Sands, and today I am with Greg Engert, the beverage director and partner at the Neighborhood Restaurant Crew. And I'm assuming that's your actual title because it was in your email signature. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> I've done that before in the past, though. And like, it People was just. Like, no, no, no. That's yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I, I definitely I like it. I'm not good at updating my email signature. So it definitely has. Uh, yeah, we, inaccurate. Have a, we got a great team that uh, watches out for those things for us. It's very nice. So there. I mean, this really could be what, at least like 20 separate episodes with everything. Well, well, that's why when I got here, I was like, do you have like an agenda for (laughs) this? Because I mean, we could go all over the place. But uh, yeah, we've been up to a lot of things over the years and uh, a lot of fun stuff happening now and coming up too. So So I would venture to guess a lot of people don't know what the neighborhood restaurant group is. However... I would assume the vast majority of people who are listening know of at least one entity that NRG owns. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know which one. Probably Church Key. Church Key is probably you? the most well-known, yeah. I guess. But yeah, that's a good point you made because you know it's always been a, a, a struggle for us is to know like how much we want to foreground the group versus the entities because we are a collection of over 20 different independent uh, bars, restaurants, retail outlets, butcher shops, you name it. Um, and each of them has their own specific kind of individual identity with an amazing team that executes on the ground. And then we have, you know, a broader team that assists with kind of the, the neighborhood restaurant group in general, including myself. Um, so, yeah, so I think a lot of people are like, what's NRG? And then I say Church King. They go, oh, I know that. And then I'm like, uh, Blue Jacket. They're like, yeah, Snallygaster. Oh, I've been to that. You know, so... A lot of those things are kind of deliberately maybe not yeah. as connected as they should be. Yeah, I, w- I would. Snallygaster was going to be my second pick for at least in the beer world. Yeah. what the the next well known mm-hmm. NRG property totally. would be like th- at yeah. a national level. And, and and then the other thing is just like you know on the side we we you know as not on the side but like you know next to all the beer stuff we do is all of the many other restaurants we do we have chef driven restaurants like iron gate and vermilion i mean we're about to reopen columbia firehouse is a whole new concept called josephine in old town that's like a french brasserie so it's it is a it's a it's a really cool uh company uh, that we've been growing for a long time and um i think one of the best things about our company is that we just you know no matter what we strive to create these really really memorable experiences whether it's a gigantic beer festival like Snallygaster, whether it's at a low ABV beer bar like Shelter, which is in uh, The Roost, our food hall um, in D.C., um, or, or so many of our other places. You know, I, I really like to think that we just refuse to cut corners in, in, in going after things that are memorable um, and remaining passionate about those things. So when you have so many different things, how do you even come up with like original concepts anymore? To yeah, it's <laughs> because funny. everything like looking through everything, everyone, every every different location, different restaurant, different brewery, different. Uh, I mean, everything seems like it has its own unique identity. That it's not sure. like you're. 
a franchise, like oh, yeah. like different window dressing on the same yes, we, the same idea. Yeah, it's, it's two things on that. I think the first is that we like basically if, if we set up, um, you know, opportunities and ideas of what to do, we always choose the thing that's much harder to do. To your point, we very rarely, if ever, replicate a concept, which is frankly a better way to be efficient run a better business, make more money. You yeah. know what I mean? That's why people franchise and everything else. We just, that's never been the reason why myself, um, uh, you know, the founder of our company and our CEO, Michael Babin, uh, who recruited me back in 2006, you know, it, it's not the reason we're in the business. We're in the business because we just, we love coming up with unique, I- incredible, singular experiences that we can offer. That's what really drives us. And, it's kind of nice, yeah. In hindsight, when I look at our roster, I'm like, oh yeah, this looks all perfect. But believe me, it's not. Like coming <laughs> up with these ideas, sometimes we're like, we don't know what we're gonna do, and it just like you know, uh, inspiration kind of hits us at the last minute. But uh, we are we are careful to try to you know have identities to each business, and I think that that is what what drives a lot of this. But at the same time, a really cool thread that runs through all of them from hospitality and service. It's always the same idea of creating memorable experiences. Um, and even like on the beer properties, you know, like shelter may focus on low ABV beers. Sovereign may focus on Belgian and Belgian inspired beers, but both of them serve 50 drafts, uh, temperature controlled into proper glassware with a proper, uh, you know, uh, dish machines that make sure that the, the glasses come out chlorine free lipstick free every single time you know the, the, these kinds of things run throughout so there's and even if you look at our menus you can start and, and you look at some of our logo design you start to see the thread that runs between them and it's funny sometimes there's a eureka moment when i'll meet somebody like say at the sovereign bar who the night before has been at church key and they don't know the connection and then i'll, I'll start talking to them and i'll explain it and then all of a sudden they're like oh because they start to see the parallels yeah. in spite of the differences and that that's always a fun moment for us what was Church Key the first property? So no, so we actually began as a company neighborhood restaurant group back in 1997. Uh, Evening Star Cafe was our first restaurant, still going strong. Some 26 years later, that's crazy. And the Del that's, not a nor- that's not a norm. No, it's not. <laughs> we actually, I say that's for better or worse. We hold on to our properties okay. for a very long time. Uh, Vermilion's another one. Uh, closed for the, during the pandemic for a spell, as so many did, but reopened wonderfully um, about a year and a half ago. Um, and so, or just maybe, no, just about a year ago. Uh, and that's been around since 2004, I want to say. But we started with Evening Star in the Delray neighborhood of Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, Michael uh, and his then-wife, Stephanie, who's still, Stephanie Babin, who's still with the company, uh, an amazing partner, um, and um, our, our legal counsel as well. They uh, were were lawyers, and Michael was a lobbyist looking for something new. Um, well, I think at first they just thought like, "Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we ran a restaurant?" Yeah, and they did, and then they fell in love with it, and they left their other careers to to dive into that head first. So, so they then, started all this without having a background in. Yes, in I mean they loved eating and drinking, and they had relatives who did restaurants and things yeah. like that. But they're incredibly smart um, people. Uh, hardworking, and I, you know, there's, no, I don't think there's anything they put their minds to they couldn't do. So they just yeah. they went after it, they knocked it out, and created really great ex- opportunities for themselves. Um, and so, you know, right after that, they opened a wine shop next door, which is now called Planet Wine. It's still going strong, fantastic, great beer selection as well. Um, and then a number of other restaurants, including Tallulah and Eat Bar, which unfortunately uh, closed, but uh, Vermilion. 
And then you get to 2006, and that's when they opened Rustico in Alexandria. Um, and at that time, I was working. I had I had left grad school. I came down. To, I moved to D.C. in 2002. I went to Georgetown. I was supposed to be an English professor. Um, got I thought that was going to be my life. One day I woke <laughs> up and it was like, I think this is. I think it's time to move on. I uh, started working in restaurants. At least you spent a, mo- a lot of money before you got to that point. I did. And <laughs> that was always the fun part, right? It was like, um, is pay- paying that debt off yeah. uh, without the degree. But um, it was the right move, I think. And we um, started working at the Brick Skeller, which was, you know, America's first beer bar. DC's first beer bar opened in 1957 with, you know, dozens and dozens of beers, which was crazy back then. Eventually it had over 2,000 beers in its coffers. Um, I got to meet all the big names in beer and learn a ton there. But it come 2006, I was looking for a change and was actually hoping to um, open my own places. And so I met Michael, who had just opened Rustico in Alexandria, which at that time, this is crazy, 17 years ago, you going back, there were maybe a handful of places inside the Beltway you could find craft beer on draft. The Brick Skeller, Pizzeria Paradiso in Georgetown, that basement bar, fantastic. Um, a couple other places, and of course, uh, Rustico, Alexandria. And so I joined as the beer director and bar manager at that point with the idea that we would open new places. Okay. And we immediately started on that thread. And in 2009, Open Church Key and Birch and Barley, which was our first DC location, um, and of course became the most uh, well known. Yeah, and it's almost any time there's something cool happening in DC, craft beer related, it's at Church Key. Like yeah, it, even now, it's just wild because now it's 14 years old. You know, I mean, we we still do amazing. I mean, you know. We, over time, the other cool thing that's been with our company is as we've grown, we've grown our team. So, you know, I'm, I'm a partner I, 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 and the overarching beverage director. So I'm involved in like, you know, a lot of big picture stuff, a lot of um, um, strategy and a lot of, you know, just development for, for new projects. But my team in the beverage department um, just crushes it. So like Tim Liu is our beer director. Um, he's been with us for years He's the he's the guy behind Snallygaster, you know, and 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 helps um, really manage all of the beer programs day to day. Bruno Simois is his uh, assistant in that department. Um, so we, we, you know, between those two guys, it's just like incredible what we've been able to keep going. And that's what's been so fun is like, you know, when we were operating Church Key in two thousand nine, smaller team, fewer things. But now with all these places developing the, the, the team and the organization and the structure to be able to keep them all at a high level has been difficult, um, but extremely rewarding. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs or one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, 
or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. I was so naively wrong about what Snallygaster was. I had always thought it was like a distributor-driven, like volunteers pouring type of beer festival and didn't realize it was, I mean, just like every other festival of the best breweries that breweries themselves put on now where yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. everyone is there. Yeah. <laughs> we were kind of a precursor it, to that too, because you know, those, those fests that you're referring to, which are so amazing uh, and that blue jacket, our brewery, we're lucky enough to be a part of so many of them. Um, I think this last weekend we were at well watching oh, up, nice. up in Long Island and uh, you know, this coming weekend we're going to be at log jam in Philly. So yeah, there's a circuit of these yeah. brewery driven festivals where all the brewers hang out and they show up and they get taken care of and they crush it and they they speak to the beers and they hang out and that's what's so much fun about a beer festival yeah. and i think you know really separates a beer festival from just like going to a bar or a restaurant on a day-to-day basis or a brewery tap room or something it's like when you go to the best fest you actually get to speak to the people who talk uh who make the beer and they talk to you about the beer or drink a beer with them which is amazing but yeah we were doing this back in uh well actually in, in rustico we did it for the first time in 2007 in alexandria it wasn't called Snallygaster back then. It was called uh, Octo Beer Fest. And, but it's never been distributor-driven. Nothing we've ever done has been distributor-driven. Yeah. And I remember when we started, uh, you know, when I started Rustica Alexandria, we had all these distributors coming in being like, you know, who's cleaning your lines? What do you want this and that, <laughs> this and that? You, got, you just have glassware, all this other stuff. And we were like, no, we don't want logo glass. We don't want you cleaning our lines because we are going to curate this experience and we're not going to, buy things for any other reason that we want to introduce people to flavors they've not experienced, breweries they don't know, and the best of the best. And so we took that over into the festival circuit with um, the Rustico Fest, which went on in the parking lot behind Rustico and Alexandria until 2011, where um, 4,000 people showed up to a place that should not have had more than 1,200 probably. It's not a uh, good ratio. <laughs> no, and it was <laughs> wild. Amazing. We loved it. People had a great time, but the uh, city of Alexandria kindly asked us to move on. <laughs> so luckily, uh, you know, we had been thinking about doing a DC Fest anyways, and, uh, you know, Snally Gaster has been kind of itinerant. It now lives on every October. This year, it's October 14th, uh, 2023, um, on Pennsylvania Avenue, right in front of the Capitol building. Uh, but it's only been there for, uh, I think, four years now. But it's been going for 10 years. So when we first did it, we were about to open Blue Jacket a year later in Navy Yard. And back then, Navy Yard in D.C. was the stadium, the DOT building, Navy, uh, Navy Yard buildings, and Blue Jacket. And like, that was it. And you could see straight to the water. All that development yeah. hadn't happened. So we did the first Snallygaster um, right by the water in Navy Yard. And uh, it's just been gaining steam ever since. And, and, and every year, more and more brewers come. Um, every year we bring in more and more beers from all over the place. We direct ship a lot of it in ourselves, um, because distro doesn't have access to it. Yeah. And, and in DC, you can pretty much you can do whatever do you want. You can do that. You <laughs> it's can. like but, the wild west. Of it <laughs> is the wild west, but at the same time, you know, it's funny as, uh, people always say that I talk to people who run beer bars, not in DC. They're like, man, if I was in DC, I would do this and that. I'm like, think about this, right? I don't have a warehouse. So when we bring beer in directly, it's coming in on pallets. Yeah, so and those things got to get off the truck. They got to get up the stairs in the case of Church Key. They got to get here, there, and everywhere, and it costs money to ship. 
So you got to buy enough and have the right amount of places you can kind of spread it around. But yeah, anyway, so we do all of that personality, and uh, and you know now I think last year we had, which was our our tenth tenth anniversary because we only missed one year, which was uh, pandemic related. And we had almost we had about nine thousand people. That's so many people. <laughs> and like, not have have was I just completely oblivious to it for the longest time, or was it only within like the last five years that it became really big? It became really big in the last five years because of the move to Pennsylvania Avenue. Okay. So so, so it, it's not completely a ridiculous was, that I wasn't. No. Well, I mean, also, I, I, I think it's, it's our fault for not getting the word out more. But <laughs> it, it, was, it was a nascent stage. Like I said, it started Navy Yard. Then we did one year at Union Market. Uh, and then we went back to Navy Yard in the shadows and parking lots around National Stadium. Yeah. And all, the whole while, though. We had been, you know, we, we work with an incredible um, events coordinator. Her name's Steph Holland, uh, who's been helping us with this for years. And she does events all over the country, Super Bowl. I mean, you name it. And uh, she had her eyes on Pennsylvania Avenue. But at that, you know, when we finally got allowed to do it, nobody was allowed on Pennsylvania Avenue to do events. Um, so we had to kind of have a proof of concept for the city yeah. to show them over time that like we take good care of our guests, we take good care of the property. And we did that for years. And eventually they said, okay, you can do it on Pennsylvania Avenue. And when that happened, was it harder to it have it there last it. year? Was it harder last year? Yeah. Or was since you'd already done it, it was, I, I oh mean, no. Like yeah. It, we've been, we've been on Pennsylvania Avenue I think now for five years. No, four or five years. I can't remember. I could just see them being a little more sensitive. Oh yeah. The first time was, was, a, was a learning experience. <laughs> I mean, with the amount of, of, of secret service and everything else. Um, but uh, you know, the city's been great to work with. And like I said, we have a team of professional event coordinators, um, both in energy and not working together to make it pretty seamless. Um, and that's, I think we get lauded, I think most for the, the, how, how nicely the festival kind of goes. It's one thing to, to, to have incredible beers. I can't remember know? what the change was cited that there was last year, but so, like multiple people had said like it was two the, years ago. The, well, there was something about okay, maybe was, yeah, two it, years it was, the, la- was, the change it, we, of the we layout. It to all you can drink. Okay, well, no, it was something about how the layout, like it was laid out. I don't remember, but I mean, I've never heard anything bad. So, the only thing I've ever that wasn't completely positive said to me about Snally Gaster is the ridicule that I get when I say I've never been to it. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're going <laughs> to fix that not, this year. Um, it's, it's never anything about Sonalagaster. It's just usually some sort of slight on me yeah, yeah, for that's, not, that's, not that's having good to attended I was getting it. Nervous here for a but I will say, you know, I think what, what, what really sets us apart is to handle 9,000 people like um, well is a lot of organization structural work that we've gotten down over the right, years. There's a lot of opportunity for something to go, go wrong. wrong. Right. <laughs> Or for lines to be too long, yeah. or for it take too long to get process to get into the event. So we've 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 done our homework. We every year we're trying to make it better than the year before, and it's been amazing um, to get where we are. So you, uh, it, it follows the same sort of uh, blueprint where you have bands playing yeah. through it. How many different stages do you have? Two different stages. I think uh, last year we had six different bands. Um, five or six different DJs that are alternating nice. throughout, and that was the other thing for us too. Was like. We love beer, obviously, but yeah. we want it to be a festival that happens to be amazing when it comes to beer. And that's what we always do for all of our bars. Like even Church Key, you know, Church Key is a great bar that happens to have a world-class beer selection, I think. You know, but if you want to come in and drink amazing wine, 
you're going to, and it's going to be temp controlled like the beers. You know what I mean? Like you're going to drink wines at the right temp. You're going to drink incredible whiskeys collected from all over the place and, and, and fantastic cocktails, eat great food. So we're always trying to be, we're neighborhood restaurant group, not neighborhood beer bar group. You know, so we're always trying to be that first. Yeah. And, and Snally's no different. We have cocktails. We have wine. We have music. We have stuff for families. We have incredible food. Um, it's, I think in that way, we're set apart. A lot of great beer festivals are really beer forward. And we certainly are. But we're also trying to take care of you know people who might be interested in some other stuff. One of my favorite ever, I haven't been to it, and I, I've heard that it's not as great as it used to be. Uh, there's the Big Poor in Pittsburgh where it, it's almost like a blue-collar saver. Yeah. Where, where yeah, yeah. Like, I've heard of that. I've never been. Yeah, it's great. And it's it's the same type of thing as Saver where they have like a bunch of breweries and a bunch of food vendors and it's like small bites, like yeah, pairings yeah. and stuff. But, but it's, it's held, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's in Pittsburgh and it's held at like a a, a restore type of place. Oh, it's, yeah, called, yeah. it's called Construction Junction where you can buy like used construction materials. That's amazing. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's... There should be like a list of those type, you know, when people do like best um, festival lists, they tend to have the, you know, the expected ones like yeah. Firestone Walker Invitational, yeah. you know, um, things like that. And, it, and uh, I, I would, there's, there's like an underground circuit of things like that. I would Although be really interested to see. I, from what I understand though, and I could be completely wrong, so take this with a grain of salt. I believe it, it has become much more of like a distributor driven festival. Whereas previously it was like maybe 50 50 where like it was the local Pittsburgh breweries, but then like the big ones were just brought there by the distributor in Pittsburgh. And it it was just the tents were manned by volunteers, but it was still awesome. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah. It's interesting. You know, it's, I mean, it's so fun. I just got back from LA and, uh, you know, just visiting parts of the country and seeing what the craft beer scene is like, um, it's it's wild. I mean, first of all, everything every time you go to a new place, you realize that there's way more breweries than you expected yeah. and <laughs> that there need to be, for sure. But uh, as always, I'm always, you know, less is more for me or maybe more is more. I, I like more things from fewer producers. And in fact, that's what like we did at the Sovereign, our Belgian place. It was like... We didn't set out to have 50 drafts so we could have one beer from 50 different Belgian brewers of any kind that just have good marketing or something like yeah. that. It was like, what if we chose the the you know the finest, the, the dozen breweries that we think make the absolute best and most interesting beer in Belgium and try to serve as much beer as we can from them? The, the likes of De La Sand and Daranka and Blogy, um, Cantillon, Andre Fontaine. And, uh, th- those were the things that, like, that really... That drove us and I'm the same way when I visit places like I'm not trying to hit a number of, I'm trying to find the best and kind of linger there and so obviously when I was out in LA and we were doing a lot of wine too and and kids stuff like Disneyland so yeah. uh, I couldn't go crazy but you know I visited both of the monkish breweries both incredible um, and not just for haze which we expect but also for you know mixed fermentation beers unbelievable and now Russian River since they built that Windsor facility distributes their beer throughout California. And I was able to find a, a little bar in Manhattan Beach called Bruco, great little beer bar, that had like eight different Russian River beers on draft. And it was just incredible. Well, yeah, because their their new facility is like humongous, it's right? Massive. Yeah, yeah. So they've got a lot there. But um it's it's fun. You know, then you know, I, I think I mentioned this to you, but we just opened a brewery in New Orleans. Yeah, um, we that that was definitely on my agenda to talk 
about also because the number one thought in my mind is why New Orleans? Yeah, did, yeah, yeah. Did someone from the restaurant group move to Louisiana yeah, and wanted something local? Probably or? better. Um, but no, <laughs> it's funny. So, so Michael, uh, Michael Babin, uh, my partner and the founder of our company, he is from Baton Rouge originally. Okay. Um, well, that so that, that, allowed, that makes sense. And then Stephanie, who I mentioned before, she, she's from Shreveport, a lot of family down there. So they got friends and family. Yeah. But even more so, back in, I want to say either 2014 or 15, we started producing uh, with Blue Jacket, our brewery in D.C., yeah. a collaboration Which is a, beer. Absolutely. The beer is second only because the lo- like the facility is the so beautiful. Is yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, the yeah, the yeah. beer is great, too, but yeah, it, yeah. the... The brewery itself is just so beautiful, and the vibe and that was a atmosphere crazy, is so yeah, great. A thing to f- to find that space, we looked for it for a long time, um, and, fa- and finally found it. And yeah, we I, I put our loggers up against anyone's. I think they're fantastic, and everything. I think we, we make a lot of styles extremely well. Ro Gunzel's our director of brewing ops. He kills it. Um, you know, I mean, he was at Left Hand, Great Divide. Uh, he developed Polestar pills for left hand and, and stuff. So, so he's got oh, a lot such of a good beer. Yeah, he's got yeah exactly. Where's that <laughs> anymore? Um, but uh, yeah, so so we started doing this collab with Great Raft Brewing Company out of Shreveport, and Andy Nations is the the founder and owner of Great Raft. He lived in D.C. for a long time, and he actually started DCBeer.com back okay. in like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. But he always had this dream of moving back to Shreveport, where he's from, and building a brewery. And he did so with his wife Lindsay, and it's called Great Raft. So who owns them now? Did someone buy DC beer or did DC beer buy something? No, no. So Richard um, Fawall bought DC beer. He owned, he runs like a podcast company. That's okay. Um, and he's done a really good job, but now uh, it's, it's kind of employee run by all the people who work okay. on the thing, which was very cool. So we started doing this collab with great raft every year and we would launch it on the first weekend of Mardi Gras parades at the Avenue pub, which was, the beer bar of note in New Orleans for a ton of years. Uh, changed hand recently. It's still a very good bar, but not quite as beery as it used to be. So we started. So that meant that we were going down for Mardi Gras literally every year. And it wasn't long where we were like, man, we, we, we love New Orleans, of course. It's one of the most incredible places in the world, not just the U.S., especially for the, the mixed culture uh, and what that's done for music and food and just, just like life in general. So we were trying to plot for a while, like, how could we come down here? Yeah. And before the pandemic, we had met uh, this company called Domain Co. They, um, they're a real estate developer. And they were looking for a partner to do um, a project in one of their buildings. Then the pandemic happened. I thought we were done. But they came back around. So we partnered with Domain um, to build Brewery St. X, um, a, a, a brewery bar and restaurant in um, the, um, the, the warehouse district slash CBD area right near the Superdome in uh, New Orleans, not far from the French Quarter. and uh, But also it's connected to a barbecue concept we created called Devil Moon Barbecue, which does the best New Orleans barbecue. Uh, it's a nice mix of kind of Cajun-inspired barbecue along with classics you'd find mostly from Texas, but a little bit from uh, Eastern North Carolina. And um, yeah, we have an amazing team down there. So Alex Flores is our... Um, head brewer, he works with Roe from Blue Jacket and myself to uh, to to brew uh, just a, a host of really great beers, mostly classically inspired lagers, um, everything step mashed, decocted, aged for six weeks in tank, all naturally carbonated. We're doing British cask ales, but then we're also doing um, some delicious hazy beers, some great 
thick fruited sours, uh, and it, it's been a it's been a hit so far. But I want to mention the food is is incredible. So Shannon Bingham's our chef. He does the barbecue at Devil Moon, but then we have a kind of barbecue adjacent brew pub fair at CNX. Uh, then a huge whiskey selection, great cocktails, uh, frozens, you name it, plus wine. It's a it's a pretty pretty special place if you get down to New Orleans. I went there. I've only been there once. It was uh, 2021. We went, and I had so much great beer while you were there. There wasn't a, the, like a ton of breweries, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. but everywhere I went to, it was like, the, yeah, I, I, I couldn't remember the name of it, but I think it was Par- Parlo. Parlo. That's the best. It, the place looked like such a dump. It's, and, it's, but shackle on purpose. The, yeah. the beer was so good. So good. They uh, do fooder aged and fermented British styles. Yeah. That are, that are, uh, they do a lot great, but I love, that's like my favorite thing that they do. And they, they, they were super nice people too. Yeah. So, Eric and his wife are amazing. And, um, and actually they're going to be at Snallygaster this year. Oh, nice. And then Courtyard is another one that's fantastic in New Orleans. Yeah, I didn't make it there. Uh, I went to Urban South, obviously. Couldn't go to yeah. New Orleans. Yeah. And then Alex, who's our, who's our brewer um, at Brewery St. X, he was formerly the director of brewing ops for Urban South. Okay. So there's a connection there as well. Yeah, we went there. It was um, shortly after they reopened everything. And uh, I... We, we went down to visit family, but then also a good friend of mine le- had moved there a few years earlier to open his tattoo shop down there. Oh, cool. And so he, I, so it, it just was serendipitous. So I booked an appointment with him, got a tattoo. But the night before, he took my wife and I out around in town. And he said we picked the perfect time to be there because it, was a rare occasion where Bourbon Street didn't smell like urine and puke. <laughs> <laughs> like everything was clean still because yeah, yeah, yeah. it hadn't been. What, what time of year was it? Uh, the summer, which was also shockingly not, not obscenely c- hot. Oh, wow. Like it was July, uh, the end of July, I think. And it was like in the 80s. And yeah, New Orleans really struggled with coming back from the pandemic. I mean, they shut down hard. Yeah, that's what and, everyone there was talking about. And that's why about. it smelled better. Yeah, and that's what, well, that's what he said. He's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. been closed for so long that it's, it smells it's good better. <laughs> but it's, it's, just, it's just the most amazing place. The food is uh, so good. And it's oh, so it intense. Everywhere. Like, the flavors so. are just like so intense. Um, and I think that, I, and it's such a cocktail town. So that's to your point. It's really wild when you go down there. It's like, a, 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 you know, not a big city, but a huge city when it comes to tourism and, yeah. and, and events and, and, you know, things like that. But not a ton of breweries and um, or beer bars. It's a uh, cocktail town. Okay, yeah. You I mean, know, that's that's what that's what they go with. And um, but the breweries that are there are good. Yeah. Um, for the most part, he took us around to like where the locals go. But he was like, there's a couple things as a tourist you have to do on Bourbon Street. So we went and got one of the, like, the obnoxious grenade type. Yeah, hurricanes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know if it's a hard, fast rule. But it seemed that the worse the place looked, the better everything was. I think in kind of in general, isn't that? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Nostalgia kicks in. Who doesn't love dive bars? Yeah. But I think New Orleans has so much history that they have, they have like some places from the outside and even inside will look like decrepit, you know, falling yeah. apart, almost gothic. And when you go in and you eat and drink, you're like, wow. Well, my wife's cousin took us to this one restaurant. It's some of the best food I've ever had in my life. 
it didn't look like he could pass a health code inspection. <laughs> Do you remember what it was? <laughs> no, it was um, it was somewhere outside of New Orleans though, because they live. I can't remember the ne- name of the area, but like a half hour north, okay. and it was like like just deep into the swamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of these places have just yeah they they just oh yeah it was a place that been there. It was ancient, <laughs> and they never they don't need to dress it up. They just make yeah. great. <laughs> food serve great beverages and that's enough to get people to come back you know yeah i, w- I want to go back down there i had the time of my life yeah so much i'd love fun. to show you around if you do um i had so wh- when did that open and that it's brewery saint like x, brewery right? saint x yeah that opened about i want to say right in the beginning of april so about two months okay ago. but we had opened um the barbecue place next door devil moon about a month before that so where did so where did that name come from? It's a cool That's name. That's a good question. Uh, so Brewery St. X, you know, naming things is really difficult. And we've, of course, have had to name a lot of that, them. I was just about to say that, too. Like, you guys are constantly it's coming wild. up with new names it's, for it's stuff. It's so hard. And I'll tell you something about names. Like, we, we, we collaborate on them. We discuss them. We argue about them. But at the end of the day, it's what the place becomes. So, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's, it's so interesting. Like, so I'll give you a good example of that. Um, Church Key and Birch and Barley. I love the name Church Key, but I didn't. I was like, Birch and Barley, that's the beer-centric restaurant that's downstairs from Church Key uh, on 14th Street in D.C. I was like, Birch and Barley, I don't get it. I, I, I just, I didn't, it didn't speak to me the way the Church Key did, but I was like, if we could do Church Key, I'm cool with Birch and Barley. And now, I never think twice about it. It's just, that's what it is, yeah. you know, versus like Blue Jacket, man, we were trying to come up with a name for that for so long. And it was so, cause we didn't want it to be too DC oriented, you know, like Navy Yard Brewing Company, but we were, we were taking inspiration from um, places like, like Naval Terminology. And it turns out that the grunts of the Navy are called Blue Jackets. And so one day Michael called me and he's like, what do you think of this name? I think it might be the one for the brewery. And I was like, oh, God. You know, it's probably <laughs> not going to be right. And he was like, Blue Jacket. And I didn't even, I didn't know the connotation, I, but I just heard it. I liked it. And I was like, that's it. I I had no idea where the name came from. I assumed it was some sort of military thing. Yeah, exactly. It, like it, but you don't need to know it's exactly yeah. that. And yep. I think that that's what's good, the best thing about names. So I think that's where we're going with Brewery St. X. The idea, first of all, is that New Orleans is uh, a Catholic town. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's filled with it's saints. It's just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> they do Mardi Gras. Yeah. I mean, that, is a, that is originally like a, you know, it's based around the, the Lenten season. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it is a town of, of saints. Not just the names on the streets, but there's saints, there's churches. And so I think the idea with that was like, we didn't want to just call it like St. Charles Brewing Company or something like that or St. Catherine. But the idea that there's so many, like, unnamed saints in the city as well like just average people doing amazing work every day whether it's helping others or creating beautiful pieces of art and we like the idea of x kind of standing in for that so um that's kind of where it came from great beer starts with great ingredients at havoc brewing supply they offer a wide selection of premium hops fruit purees malt cleaning supplies and more their family-owned business is dedicated to helping you create the perfect beer Havoc offers flexible contracts, lightning-fast shipping, and unrivaled customer service. Join the Havoc Brewing Supply family and elevate your brewing game. Shop small, brew big, grow together. Visit HavocBrewingSupply.com today to learn more. 
McClintock Distilling is Maryland's first and only certified organic distillery, handcrafting gins, whiskeys, vodkas, and cordials from non-GMO organic ingredients in downtown Frederick. Named the best vodka distillery in the country by USA Today, best gin in the world at the International Spirits Competition, and double gold at the World Spirits Competition for bourbon, rye, and gin. Open now for tours, tastings, and classes. Come sample the most awarded distillery in Frederick today. I um I do have to kind of feel like you stole Snallygaster from us and us being from Frederick, Frederick County. Yeah. We absolutely did. <laughs> you know your history well. I only because I like when I first learned about Snallygaster what six or so years ago, like I looked, looked it that, up. That yeah. was when I learned of what the Snallygaster was and it, like, oh, it originated in Frederick. And and I yeah, think and Middletown, then, right? Like it's Yeah, the, that's what they yeah. say. It's yeah, the uh the sort of the, the the Bigfoot, the Loch Ness monster of the region, yeah. a uh, a drag like a feathered dragon or something. Yeah, that some terrorized the denizens of Frederick County. Um, yeah, we were just like we were gonna put on a beast of a beer fest and started going down the list of names, and that's why to this day our um, the different zones where the beers are laid out are also named after monsters. So there's like oh, Kraken nice. and Gargoyle and yeah. Mothra and things like that. So, yeah, it all kind of came from the same place. But that's, that's funny. I, I almost forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, that's I mean, there's so many things that get named Snallygaster and Frederick, the Frederick area. I found that out. There's like a, there's like a whiskey or something that, that's called Snallygaster. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe there's that. And it, yeah. uh, I'm going to stop. Thinking. I think it might be their bourbon. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Um, and then they're like little like town festivals and stuff will oh, be yeah, called totally. the Snallygaster. That's funny. Um, what is what is considered like the crown jewel of energy? N R G, not energy. Uh, yeah, well, that's part of the yeah the thing. Energy. Um, I you know I don't know. I mean, I I think we we love them all equally, and um, you know, it, it, they all have their ups and downs too. They like they'll have great years and okay years, and kind of. It goes, uh, you know, and um, I think we're less about the crown jewel and more about the collection. Uh, We are, we have a collection of great places, a collection of great people, um, all figuring out some way to spend just the right amount of town on each time on each project, so that they can they can kind of deliver at a high level. I think that's really what sets energy apart. um, Is that we are so kind of um, broad in our range, um, and really enjoy being able to offer all of that. So I think it's hard to say what the gem is, um, but you know I, th- I think we really we love just continuing to come up with new things and um, to to be able to execute them at high levels. So w- was there the the focus on beverages from the very beginning? Absolutely. It, okay, because it didn't seem like till you got to later on that you mentioned. Yeah, the, I the beverage yeah, more. I should have mentioned so. that. Like right from the start, it was all about beverage. Um, but I, I it would was assume it probably leaned more heavily to like wine. It was at wine centric. We the, opened a wine shop yeah. right next to our Planet Wine. But there was, it was always the 90s. So it, like, yeah, it was 90s into the early 2000s. But there was always an interest in beer. Um, and, you know, one of the restaurants that unfortunately closed was called Tallulah. Um, and that opened, I think, in 2003, maybe 2002. Um, that was a huge wine experience. It was okay. like. The, the, it was like for what church key is to beer, Tallulah was to wine back then. Um, I think there was something like, f- like 50 by the glass. I mean, it was it was a crazy. So there was 
even before I had heard of NRG, there was this impetus to 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 showcase massive amounts of of really interesting beverage. Um, it's just so that Rooster Alexandria became the beer version of that, and then I joined, and we kind of just pushed it even harder. Uh, but it's always been a really a company really really interested in beverage. I, I'm not sure of another one, another restaurant group that has the kind of beverage, you know showcase that that we do because because in addition to beer that we have between all the places we've been talking about i mean our wine program at iron gate which is a classic kind of greek mediterranean restaurant um is is wild i mean it's the deepest greek collection of wines in uh the dc area for sure um you know we're i mentioned josephine the new french brasserie that we're opening in old town um in just a couple weeks that is uh, got a massive French wine list that's going to impress anybody who's interested in wine. But plus, we have fantastic cocktails. So, so Aaron Dudley's our wine director. She handles all the wine throughout the group. Nick Farrell's our spirits director. And there's a bar that we opened um, uh, last year called Show of Hands, which is in um, the, the Roost. I mentioned this earlier. It's an amazing food hall with beverage options um, on 14th and Pennsylvania Southeast in D.C. as east of Capitol Hill. Uh, we've got the low ABV beer bar shelter there, but we've got this incredible cocktail bar in this food hall called Show of Hands that has amazing cocktails, lots of them lower in alcohol. Um, the current theme is Amari-based uh, cocktails, but a wide list of, of incredible um, spirits as well with a focus on, on whiskey. So we're really trying to, 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 to showcase the best beverage across the board, including N.A. We have an amazing coffee shop run by Kenya Yuseda called uh, Cameo that's also in the roost um, that, that pours fantastic coffee and great tea. That is uh, definitely an area that's exploding. N.A., that is. Oh, yeah. The, the crazy how much people are willing to spend the same amount of money for an N.A. cocktail as they would sometimes even more beer than uh, a regular uh, alcoholic cocktail. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it didn't have far to go because the NA segment was so, so minuscule, but it has absolutely exploded. And what we're seeing is that, you know, it's, it's people who no longer drink um, for whatever reason, but it's also people who do drink and maybe are going through um, a short spell of sobriety or go out to a bar and drink a couple a you know, alcohol, laden beers and then switch over to a couple yeah. NA so that they can They're not drive. done yet but yeah, yeah, still want to drink and that's that's been really cool to see that kind of balance obviously it's better for healthy living um and that's we're also trying to lean into that with the low abv option you yeah. know less calories less alcohol better for your body um but still something that you can sip while you're hanging out and being social um which is the whole point of it after all someone told me last night tequila is actually good for you though so i Really? Yeah. Was that a, a bartender? Or? No, it was just we were at a, a a party at a friend's house, and um, I had to explain to her there's no such thing as healthy alcohol. <laughs> but you know, I mean, beer, beer is of all, and I'm not just saying this because I because I, I love all alcohols, yeah. but 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 beer does deliver lots of minerals, and yeah. vitamins, and things like that, and like and especially beer being lower in alcohol than wine or spirits, um, can be a more nutritious way to gain access to carbohydrates and things like that still though it has alcohol yeah like you know it must be drank responsibly i've i made the mistake of um recently getting into whiskey and like in subset of bourbons uh and i was stupid because that is just 
a horrible rabbit hole to go down for to. so many reasons yeah it's all ben little's fault um <laughs> and he's, he's great and uh, and i need to stop myself because it is so money horrible alone, yeah it's, it's it's like it's a downward spiral the good thing is though i'm cheap and i refuse to pay over msrp stuff for right things. so you're aware of that so yeah i i've i i i've made a mistake and bought stuff at a markup because I was at a store. I didn't know what MSRP should have been. Yeah. And it sounded like a reasonable amount. So I, I have accidentally overpaid, yeah. but I like, I'm not going to be someone that's going to pay 200 and some dollars for a bottle of Blands or like yeah, <laughs> or even Weller or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think being aware of that is, is great because the, the amount of ridiculous price gouging that happens in the secondary market or even the primary market, as yeah. we've seen. Is is ludicrous, and we don't want to support that. My problem with the spirits is that, like, or like whiskeys, is that I just drink them too fast. You yeah, know, like that's, that's the thing, a, like, also the problem. You know, like, and and for me, and I, I, I love this. I love, and, and and they are going up in price, even at MSRP. So my favorite whiskey in the world is from Springbank, which is I, I love. Well, I, I hesitate to say I love single malt scotch. I love specific single malt scotches that tend to come from the islands and the western portions of. Um, of Scotland, is that the PD ones or PD stuff, the rougher oh. stuff? Uh, I, hate, I, I, like, I, 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 I didn't for a long time and got into it so big time now that I can't drink like Space Side or other stuff that's like a little bit sweeter, nuttier. Um, like to me, like Macallan, I just I can't drink that. Yeah, I cannot do that. Uh, the well, I have PD a way. I'll tell you, I have a way. I, I guarantee if if we spend enough time together, I could get you there. We'd start with Highland Park. Which is, you know, uh, that's, you know, way up uh, Highlands of Scotland, which has a bit of peat, but a good rich malt sweetness. Mm. And then we move down to Talisker, which gets brinier. And then from then you can like kind of move around. Kleinlish is a similar thing. Like those three are like good intros. Yeah. And over time, just like imagine, remember like when you, when you drink beer, you go from drinking a style and being like, I'll never drink that style. And then all of a sudden you're drinking that style. Yeah. Uh, you, mean, you mean like when I drank Amber Ales and said there's no way I'll drink IPAs? IPA, right. <laughs> or like IPA drinkers are like, I'll never drink lager. Yeah. You know, it's the same with this. So, because you get tired of drinking the same stuff. And then you can move into the PD stuff, the stuff from Isla. But there's, a, there's, 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 a, there's, a, or hear me out. Yeah. I could just drink rye whiskeys and bourbons. Well, don't, don't go the wrong with that either, believe me. But there's this, there's a place called Springbank in Campbelltown, uh, which is, and it, 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 they, they do heavily peated stuff called Long Row. They do unpeated stuff called Hazelburn. And Springbank's right in the middle. Anyway, it's a very special place. One of the, the most incredible distilleries in the world. And I've watched this stuff get popular. And then the MSRP just climb, climb, climb to a point where, like, I have to, when I buy it, and I'm lucky because we have a number of restaurants and bars, so I yeah. can taste all this stuff when I want to. When I buy it, though, I have to be, like, really, really, like, careful. <laughs> like, yeah. Do not over drink this stuff because it, it's expensive. You have to like cherish it yeah. almost. And that, that can be difficult. And that's like you, you almost, well, you have the luxury where you can try all kinds of stuff. Expensive so you almost stuff. have, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. but well, but I'm even saying like to try to find the stuff that's really good, but still cheap because it hasn't yeah. been, uh, it hasn't, yeah, it hasn't yet. gone cr yeah, crazy yet. Yeah. And that's getting inc increasingly difficult to do because I mean, bourbon is so massive now yeah. that like it, even stuff that shouldn't be expensive is, you know. So, uh, yeah, a dangerous, a dangerous hobby. But um, as long as we keep it as kind of, uh, you know, next to 
in a relationship with beer, I think it's probably better than if you just go all in. What it what is your preference when it comes to alcohol? Is it are you mainly a beer guy or No, I'm I'm like I I, I love it all equally. Um beer was like my first passion, okay. but um I, I, I love spirits and cocktails, but I, I love wine too. Um, you know, I said beer in LA. I, I just got back. We, we did one of the coolest regions in the country for for wine right now is in Santa Barbara. So north of LA, kind of the southernmost part of the central coast. Uh, we were in Santa Ynez specifically, but Santa Maria and Santa Rita Hills, um, Santa Maria Valley, Santa Rita Hills, all amazing. And they grow, you know, the closer you get to the sea, they grow a lot of great Pinot and Chardonnay um, with cool winds coming off the water. But uh, they also do a little bit of good Cabernet up to the north, but then a ton of amazing Rhone varietals like Grenache and Syrah, Morved, um, really cool stuff. So we just got back, and I think I probably drink in, in during my vacation. I drink more wine than anything okay. else. Um, I uh, so equal opportunity. <laughs> Wine's something I, I I've never been able to get into, and I haven't tried in quite some time. And I feel like my palate has definitely changed a lot. So I might, but I also don't, I don't feel the need to. So I feel like it would be just as bad, big of a mistake as getting into. into and that's <laughs> into the problem with wine is for all of the high value stuff that's out there at the end of the day, more expensive wine tends to be a little bit more impressive. I mean, I, I hate to say that, yeah. but like, you know, it's not a cheap hobby. Yeah. So I need to stay away from that. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but, uh, but you, but it's remarkable, and there are. But, but that said, there are some really cool like uh, wines that pop up that are super inexpensive that are fantastic uh, and fun as well. But I think you know, for your appreciation of you know mixed fermentation beers and things like that, there there is and a that, connection there, and that's what makes me think like if I if I tried getting into wine now, I I probably would. You would like it there's more different than, kinds of acidity yeah. that are softer. But I mean, it's primarily. good. It's probably been a good six seven years since I've really even try oh, any wow, kind yeah. of wine. Yeah, I, I bet you you would, so. But I I don't know. I, uh, I just, I'm going to avoid that one. <laughs> <laughs> stick to the whiskeys. Yeah. Let them let them take the money out of your pocket. And, uh, and tequila, because it's good for you. And it's good for you. <laughs> you know, tequila is, like, is is trumping vodka at our restaurants now. Well, I, I watched, um, I can't remember what, I think it was, like, CBS Sunday Morning. Where they they had a thing about uh, tequila and like it was multifaceted about one the explosion of it in the United States yeah. and how we're destroying the market for yeah. tequila like making shortages and stuff. Oh yeah, and then also how a lot of the big brands are BS yeah, and aren't. Actually, not yeah, they they're not tequila. A lot of agave, or if they do, it's very mild. They add a ton of vanilla, yeah, flavorings and things like that. Yeah. And it's it's putting it's starting to really hurt the traditional. Like they're having trouble finding people to be agave farmers and to continue like the smaller, uh, like decades right. old uh, or centuries old even maybe i don't know how yeah. long they've been making yeah. tequila but like the little family run tequila distilleries yeah. it's just not yeah it's not the same as it as it, as it once was because there's way more money to be made by these big conglomerates that are just producing things that have barely any agave yeah because there's some and then there's also the 
some type of agave that grows faster, but it's not as good. I can't so remember what. That, yeah, yeah, not the blue stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think it, it, it's the same story you see anywhere. You know, business booms, and people want to make even more money yeah. off of it. You know, making and it, it more ruins efficient. everything. More marketing, the liquid inside the bottle is less important. But the other thing we're seeing is just like a ton of brands. You know, they're buying distillate from yeah. different places and blending it and then slapping a label on it. Lots of celebrities are doing that. There's a bunch of brewers that are up to that now um, that are kind of side hustling into that space, both bourbon and um, tequila. And, uh, you know, it could be good uh, as long as it's good. You know, yeah. sometimes <laughs> it can go bad. So uh, it is an interesting, interesting time for all those. And they... Like watching stuff on how tequila is made, it's really hard to think of like how that could be actually scaled up to a large production process because it it was very very hands on yeah. yeah yeah I mean that's I mean in some ways isn't that kind of the thing right I mean like the best things are those that are made in small batches I yeah mean, it sounds kind of cliche but it's it's often true I think beer is interesting in that way and I think I use always Sierra Nevada as the uh, as the the um, you know, the great uh, example of this is that you can scale up great beer. And I, we just talked about yeah. Russian River. They, I was drinking Pliny. You just have to care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was drinking Pliny, Blind Pig, and STS that was certainly brewed in their big production facility in giant batches, and it was incredible. You know, same thing as Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. That tastes incredible whenever you get it. We get it on cast now at our places, which is even better. But you can if you care. Um and probably the same thing for for a lot. I mean, I think I think bourbon's a good example of that. I mean, there's a lot of blends coming out these days, and a lot of Buffalo Trace. <laughs> that stuff tastes pretty good to me. Yeah, you know I mean? so it, it, it can be done, um, but it's it, it it's oftentimes uh, not the rule. You know, it's the exception. Well, because I th- I think too. So so often when a company becomes that large, like of course every business is only exists purely to make money, right? Or it wouldn't exist. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then at some point that takes precedence instead of caring, like truly caring about your product first and former foremost while making sure that you make enough money, then it starts to become like, well, if I just do this, it won't hurt it that much, but I'll make this much more money. It's honestly, anybody who runs any kind of business is constantly pulled between those two poles of profitability. And not to say everybody wants to make billions of dollars, but like just for survival. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have to pay your, pay your people well, you know, and doing what you love. And the best synergy is when you do what you love and get paid for it, of course. And that's what everybody's trying to do. But at the end of the day, sacrifices have to be made. I mean, I think the craft beer industry is a great and oftentimes unfortunate example of this. I mean, so many people set out in the old days to make the beers nobody else was making, the beers that they loved, right? At least that's the – it's kind of become the, 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 the mythical story of craft yeah. beer, but I do believe it. I, I, in, in the cases of the, of the best, I definitely believe it. Because there was no, there was no reason for Ken Grossman to start here in Nevada. He, there wasn't like he was like, yes, if I do this, I'm going to make this much money. It, he just did it because he was like, I want to do this. He cobbled together dairy equipment and yeah. started brewing pale ale with Cascade hops. Like uh, that was not based on a business plan that was going to yield yeah. billions <laughs> of dollars, which it wasn't. You know, so I think, but there was space for that. 
and, and there and there has been in craft for a long time. However, the the explosion, the demands, the investments, the private equity has leveled new um, stresses on the industry yeah. that have made people do the wrong thing, frankly. And I think that it's led to, in some ways, the decline in interest in craft beer. The two thi- two prong approach. First is craft beer is not new anymore. You know, like for us, when we came up, craft beer was cool and new. It was an innovation. It was something that people hadn't seen before. Yeah. It's not that anymore. Kids that are twenty. 22, 25, yeah, they've never lived in a place world without it. Yeah, it's, it's just, just it's, another place. It's yeah. as ubiquitous as Budweiser in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and, and if not more, frankly, if you grow up in different parts of the country. So, you know, it's not cool and new. So what is it? Well, it's everywhere. And a lot of it feels fake. It feels yeah. like there's no narrative behind it. And it feels like people are doing it for the wrong reasons. And one thing that I, and I'm not, I'm not hating on people who make seltzer or who, uh, you know, just continue to follow every single trend because I get it. You have bills to pay. You have people to pay. You have people to take care of. People who, who rely on you for their livelihoods, I get it. But I think we're sending a broader message to the consumer that craft is constantly changing and evolving, but maybe not because the brewers are suddenly like looking for new innovations. They're just trying to f- follow trends to stay alive. And I don't think that that's sexy to the consumer. And I think, in fact, it shows a, in some ways a lack of integrity um, on the on the on the on the count of the of the breweries. But I get it. There's so many breweries now. The competition is so stiff. Yeah. People are having to make bad decisions. I get that. I uh, I I don't fault a brewery at all with making seltzers or anything as long as they're still putting out yeah, balance, yeah, yeah, yeah. great beers because yep. not everyone wants to drink a beer. Totally, so totally, totally. So the, I, I've never like every quarter. Yeah, they've got a just, new it, whatever. Thing that they're going for. Yeah, I, I just, whatever. Just, there's a headline for that. It's the exactly. popular thing. I just you can't. Believe, it's hard to believe at that point that like people are sitting there going, "Let's make this." And when you say why, they say, well, "Because I'm fascinated by the style." Or I visited Bamberg last year and had this one. I've been wanting to make it. And again, it's a business. It's not yeah. a hobby. You got to balance it. But I mean, yeah, for every seltzer, if you can bring out that smoked Hellas, I feel like that's a good balance. Yeah. You know? If if you if you have a couple seltzers on. On the tap list, but then you also have a food or age logger. Like yeah, you get a pass. That's totally cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it still is. I, I get it. I think it's hard for people to wade through the noise of craft at this point. I mean, because it is at, like the tap rooms are everywhere. I'm not even talking about on the shelves because shelf space is shrinking. Yeah. Um, I'm just mean like if you go to. I know a lot of people do this. I do it. You go to a new town. You pull up your craft your your brewery map, and there's 25. Yep. Where do you start? Now, I would say, and I'm not just trying to give myself, uh, you know, uh, trying to get you to go to my bars, but I do think one way to do it is to look at, even if it's not local, look at the list of great beer bars that you love and look how they're curating their list. Because I think that in the old days, that was really important because when, when beer wasn't available everywhere, you'd go to the craft beer bar or the craft retailer to see what they were pouring and yeah. what they were serving. And that would clue you in. This is before Beer Advocate, before Red Beer, before Untapped. That would clue you into like what's, Maybe good, you know. Now I think it's as, as necessary as ever because there's so much out there. I, I do though often. I mean, it's it's not every beer store, but I still feel like if I like going into a beer store, I feel like that um, Ron Swanson meme where like, he's at a, a hardware store and someone comes up to him and asks him if he needs help, and he just looks at him and says, "I know more than you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
That can certainly happen, but if you go to the good ones, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they might yeah, be there are definitely you, ones, yeah, that like that, still like, ones that yeah, like, have. Oh, I've never heard of that, and they can speak eloquently yeah. about it. You know, there's still plenty that have that beer manager that's still well versed, yeah, yeah, and, and passionate about it for sure. Um, what? Where do you think uh, craft beer is headed? Well, I, it's, I, if I knew that answer. Yeah, yeah they would, I mean, you can make think, a ton of money in consulting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, well, I think it's pretty clear where it's heading right now is that, you, like I said, shelf space is shrinking due to the popularity of not really seltzers, but RTDs, yeah. you know, these ready to drink cocktails. Um, I think that people are shortening their lists to focus more on specific styles and do volume with them. Um, I think that you're seeing. Obviously, consolidation. The local market here is a great example. Yeah. Flying Dog just getting purchased by, um, you know, FX Matt. Where I mean, I don't think people realize this, but FX Matt have been brewing their beer for at least years, right? Six, seven years, yeah. maybe longer. Yeah. In addition to what they were brewing here, yeah. and unfortunately, consolidation. Yeah, is I think keep like all Raging Bitch was brewed there, yeah. and I think maybe the Truth. Yeah, was brewed that. there, and you know, consolidation is. Is it's it's a double edged sword, right? I mean, yeah, on the from one what hand, I've what I've heard, there are multiple, like even down to like mid sized craft breweries that are on acquisition hunts oh, and yeah, totally. like merger. Like we just saw it in California. Playing. I mean, uh, Speakeasy got consolidated. Bear Republic got consolidated. Cellar Maker bought uh, Rare Barrel. You know, I mean, there, there's economies of scale. There's efficiencies brewing. Brands that have legs out of the same facility, unfortunately, people lose their jobs when that happens. But yeah. you start to think to yourself, like, if that's what it takes for these brands to survive, and if fewer brewers is be- breweries is better, which I think it is, then we're going to have to contract a little bit. And I think that's what you're going to see. Yeah, I um, yeah, I definitely think there's going to be a lot more consolidation of brands, uh, and I think we're going to see the continued trend of places shutting down throughout this year. That yeah, yeah, the I don't even know if I would call it a bubble bursting like that. That uh, drum beat has been pounded for at least what five or so yeah, years yes. now. I don't. I don't think that's what. I think it's more of like a correction. Yeah, it's a like correction. it was. There was just it, it. It became the sexy thing to make money on. So yeah. there, like, there's the people who open breweries because they were passionate about beer and that's really what they wanted to do. Yeah. And then there was also people saw it as a place to invest in and, and yes. weren't passionate about what they're doing. They're passionate about money. Yeah, and, 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 bar- and the barriers to entry became so low. Yeah, because remember back in the uh, not even the old days, in certain states, not long ago, if you wanted to be a brewer, you had to be a production brewery. Yeah, like, especially in Maryland, beer. that's yeah. all you could be. Like, down in Georgia, like so, that was a barrier to entry because production brewing. That's a lot of investment. And this is back when banks weren't loaning you money to yeah. start craft breweries. A lot of investment. You gotta have a sales team, you gotta blah 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 blah. So like, but when the when the tap room laws began and you could basically open a brewery and start serving it direct to the consumer over uh, I mean a, a folding table if you wanted to, put a couple <laughs> t shirts on the wall, it didn't cost that much. And frankly, I will say that led to a lot of really amazing innovation. We wouldn't have the haze game like we have and fruited sours and things like that if home brewers and the like weren't able to get in yeah. so quickly. So there's a, it's a good stuff that happened there too, but then it also meant a lot of others could get in, like you said, and, and then the investment opportunities were there. 
And so the, yeah, the market it became like flooded. a gold a gold rush almost in an industry that's not really conducive to money making. Being, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Believe me, I can tell you this personally. The margins are slim, second only to restaurants. You know what I mean? Like this is it's very difficult. There's a lot easier ways to make money than this. And I think you know, I think at the end of the day, the strong will survive. I think the best breweries are going to survive. I think the people that are the most passionate about staying around and that doesn't yeah. mean just the some best brewers in the world are gonna be like you know i'm good and just retire or go away others are gonna stick around i think it should lead to the best brewers being around and i, I remember 20 years ago when there were far fewer breweries in the country maybe eight hundred thousand, i don't know um versus the nearly ten thousand today it was like there was a there was a class of really well-trained brewers brewing at these places because just were fewer of them yeah and you go back, the, the quality of the beer when we had a thousand breweries in the U.S. was was pretty high. It might not have always been the most exciting beer. It may have been a ton of ambers and blondes yeah. <laughs> and goldens, but damn, it was, it was made right. Made right. <laughs> the carbonation levels were right. There was no diacetyl. You know what I mean? Like there, the, the, the beers were packaged properly. Oxidation didn't set in quickly. That's been an issue, right? With with this massive expansion, I I still think. Overall, like at least in Maryland, the the quality bar is raised um, o- over the years. I agree with that, and I, and that may even just be like there's there's constantly so much movement of brewers even shifting the, yeah, around yeah. the like the it's knowledge good. sharing yeah. and things have helped to the, the blah 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 rising tides i hate oh, that I cliche do. but yeah. well, it's one <laughs> like of the reasons why of... beer festivals are so important like mm. i don't even care if people out there listening to this or like beer festivals suck and never want to go to another one it is in your interest that they keep getting held because that is where brewers share knowledge yeah and get one, to you and know meet each other meet and each then other, hang out then have a few beers follow back, up with a collab come up with cool names cool ideas cool collabs cool names cool you know innovative um brands to co-create and um but yeah I, i'll agree with you i think maryland has you know come a long way we have a great um beer bar in north bethesda called owens tavern and we've been serving 50 temp controlled drafts uh since 2016 up there many of which are from maryland brewers and so I've seen firsthand the quality of Maryland beer just go up and up and up. I mean, obviously, you know, Kushwa, Sapwood, yeah. Elder Pine's been putting out some great stuff we've been serving up there. Just before I came to join you here, I had a, a nice fooder-aged rice lager that was dry-hopped at Idiom locally. So I, I agree with you. I've, I've, I've seen a, a really good uh, in, increase in, in, in quality uh, from the Maryland. I mean, there's definitely still suspect beer, but I think overall... It, it has improved over the years and gotten better and better. The best breweries are those that are constantly drinking other people's beers. Yeah. And just constantly being inspired by them. And not just local beers or national beers, but international beers. You know, um, if, if you're brewing smoke beer and you haven't had a ton of Schlenker Law, uh, then, then what are you basing it on? You know what I mean? I'm not saying you have to copy them, but you should at least be aware and be tasting it side by side with your iteration to see how they interact. Like what are the differences? What are the similarities? Where do you want to take it from here? Where does it win? Where's, where did you win? You know? And I think that that is, that's what I've seen in the best brewing communities is that they're all properly competitive. Yeah. And 
you know, they're drinking each other's beers and thinking them through. And especially if somebody comes out with something that gets highly rated, yeah, you should bring it back to your place and taste it next to your version. Yeah, and figure out how to make it taste like that one. Yeah, and like, <laughs> or, or like, or or let it inspire you to make it taste different than that one, but let it inspire you. And 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 the best brewers too dump a lot of beer because if it's if it's not perfect, if you don't love it, it goes down the drain. And the best brewers tweak something every time, you know. The IPA game is so funny because that a lot is of that is probably something that has changed on the consumer side to the betterment of breweries. Where I think that every time you make a beer, the expectation it's going to taste exactly the same is kind of gone at this point. It has so you maybe can, gone a little too far away because people yeah, are like just yeah. like oh that's it. But I, what I'm talking about is like minor tweaks, like yeah, maybe yeah, a mineral, yeah, not completely changing additions. up, but yeah, it, like lagering time, mineral additions, um, slight because because listen, the ingredients we're using to make all these beers are changing all the time too, um, hops, malt. So we have to embrace a little bit of change, yeah. but just little tweaks to get things a little bit better over time and always trying new things and always growing as a brewer. The best brewers are doing that. For me, if I go to a brewery and I start chatting up the bartender or the brewer and they're talking about the tweaks they're making, I'm like, they might not be perfect now. They might not even be good now, but keep an eye on this brewery. Yeah, they're going to get there because they, get they, there they, they obviously, care. yeah. Yeah, they're not just saying like, that's our recipe. Make it, make it, make it. Don't care about it. Maybe yeah. concentrate more on like marketing or canned labels. Which are also important. Don't get me wrong, but um, yeah, the best the best beers are always evolving. I um, it seems like another trend that m- we may see more and more of is the big guys selling back breweries yeah, to they're, the they're done to the uh, to the founders at just rot, like pennies on the dollar pricing. Which like, is incredible. Like how great? Like I don't know. Would, the, I don't know the financials behind this, but obviously, you know, the one that's most, you know, uh, top of mind right now is Constellation selling yeah. Funky Buddha yep. back to my my friends Ryan and Casey Sense, who must have. I don't know the details, but they must have made a ton of money when they sold it. To uh, them. They had to because Constellation Brands does not they, seem yeah, to be they, wise oh, with no, their money. No, because, point, of course. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, throwing money around, so buy something for what almost two billion dollars, and then sell one, it for it like a one, uh, one. Yeah, yeah, it was one billion, but, if, but then sold it for like three hundred million or something that, like that. Yeah. And then <laughs> so let's. It's probably similar scale, right? Yeah, they probably bought it for like something twenty five to thirty percent of what they got paid for it. So now they have all that extra money, plus they got the brand back, yeah. and they can continue. And it's been built. and they built it for them. So yeah, but that is I, I, that is that is something though that I think we need to keep take note of. I don't think that Anheuser Busch or Constellation Brands is the is the the, the the people that we should be watching to see like what's going to happen next. Like I don't think them getting out of the craft oh, game I think means, that means craft is dead or anything. Yeah, I don't but, think that means not anything. No. I just think it means like one, it was net, like the, all of those purchases were based purely on fear. Yeah. They, that's all it was yeah. because if you if you look at a a PNL or a, like any kind, like a budget that that line item is so insignificant to everything, everything else you're yeah, doing exactly. why would why would you bring on the headache of making Oh well, that's what they're asking like, themselves now. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what they're getting rid of for nothing. And you know and taking drawdowns on their investment. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. I mean it, it's but this is the problem with media, especially in the age of social media, is that I do think there are people out there that are calling saying, like, oh, man, craft's really in trouble because Constellation's getting rid of it. It's like, 
No. no. They're coming to their senses. Yeah. Those guys have, frankly, at the end of the day, they want to make more money than the craft brewer does. <laughs> and this is the way that they're going to do it. And they're willing to just unload these things so that they don't spend as much time on them. Um, and, and AB is doing the same thing. Have they? I haven't seen anything of them unloading stuff. See, AB strikes me more as like they'll just shut it down or, or yeah, they'll, instead they'll kill of the brands. Yeah. Well, what I can tell you on the AB side is that they've cut their um, the craft staff. Yeah. The, that was like what of two, three months ago or yeah, so. They that gutted they, it. Like they basically got rid of everybody. So to, you made a great point. They're not going to just sell it for pennies, but they're just going to draw it. They're going to they're going to make it as inexpensive as possible to operate. Yeah, and, and just and, and make, let it die make on a higher margin off of the beers. Because listen, Goose Island IPA is found in a number of places. You know, okay. I mean, they've got some brands that you see around, and they're going to bring in cash for them. So as long as the, the the cost behind producing those beers and selling those beers is kept in check. I think they'll probably hold on to them, but they're not going to acquire anything else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those days are over. Um, so now so the Japanese companies are the ones that have been buying most of these brands that want to sell for significant amounts of money yeah. in New Belgium, which has been on fire since they were purchased. Um, Bells, you know, Stone. So, like, that's the option now, but not from, like, AB or Miller Constellation, things like that. Yeah, and I th- that seems like the only thing that's going to happen is mergers. Uh, yeah, like consolidations. I like mean, Victory was a good example of this years ago. They did it first. You know, they were one of the first that said they saw the writing on the wall. They were smart about it when they merged into that company called ABV with yeah. like Southern Tier and, and, and Six Point. Um, and then Canarchy. Can, yeah, them. Canarchy did that and then got bought by Monster. Yeah. That's the other thing. Oh, yeah, I forgot so about like Monster. Monster bought it. them. And, and then that weed company bought Sweetwater. Like, there's some interesting stuff going on. So yeah, so even as like Constellation AB is getting rid of it, other people are interested, um, and I think that they see they see a coherence in the in the in the business approach for a lot of these brands uh, with the the lifestyle brands that they're also offering. Like I I wonder, like I cannot imagine that Wicked Weed makes enough money that it is worth it. It even touches the needle for Anheuser-Busch. So I can't... And they must like, have paid for it, too. Oh, I mean, they, there's no way they didn't, because that was right in the middle of them overpaying of for everything. I'll never forget it. We just had done... A, we did an event, CBC 2017, at the Sovereign with Wicked Weed. And the like four days after CBC, it was announced. I think I bought the bat the best part of all that was just all the shade Jester King was throwing <laughs> and the I mean a lot of people were throwing, yeah. but now you look at it and you're like, Oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, like Stone's a, a a rough example. I mean, I love Stone, I love those guys, but you know, they spent their career saying like craft is independent, like we'll never yeah, sell well. out, you know? And frankly, had they sold out two years before. Yeah, they would have made so much more. more money. So it's like, because uh, that was more of a selling out of necessity than at this point. Yeah, than yeah, and an opportunity. But they had to pay off some stuff. Yeah, so yeah. I think that you know, but but still, and this is the way it goes. And it's it yeah, is, maybe he shouldn't have told Anheuser Busch to shove the yeah yeah <laughs> the offer up there. <laughs> but I mean, that's where this all came from originally. Like it really did. Like it's hard to think people now like to. Um, criticize or joke about the idea of you know 
you know, we're not making fizzy yellow beer and all yeah. this stuff that they did back then. But but but, but truthfully, I mean, I, I can go back to that time, the late nineties, early two thousands. I mean, I even like when I got to Rustica Alexandria, to the idea of a distributor carrying a lot of these brands that I wanted to carry, they were like, no. Because they were like, we're not going to make any money on this. Yeah. And you're the only one who wants it. That's twice as expensive as yeah. the... <laughs> and you're the only one. And what if you don't buy it? Then we're going to get stuck with all this Avery IPA. You know, stuff like that. And it, yeah. and it, it, it was like that. So really back then, it, it was a revolution. Um, it's not been that revolution for no. years, yeah. but it was now back it's then. it's just what is. <laughs> it's now it's everywhere. So yeah, it's, it's interesting how that all kind of shook out. Yeah, like to the point of what you were saying earlier, like someone turning 20 something in frederick like a craft brewery is not anything other than ordinary no they're everywhere in frederick <laughs> it's, it's not a way to like to rebel against your parents yeah you know what i mean like, because they're at the table next they're to you doing it. in fact now it's less cool than yeah. it used to be i mean that's just fascinating to think about all this yeah because there's old people like me sitting there yeah, exactly. me, yeah I'm, I'm gonna be 44 in the fall like I, I, and i drink craft beer that doesn't make it cool yeah. <laughs> you know? oh the exact opposite yeah. Um. So what? What? Uh, what's your favorite cocktail? Uh, so I, I, I'm interesting. I, I like booze forward cocktails. The simpler, the better, with great ingredients. So I drink a lot of like, um, Manhattan's old fashioned okay. martinis. I mean, I, I'll drink it all. My, like I said, Nick, my spirits guy, he is incredible. He makes fa- fantastic cocktails. There's all sorts of riffs on those types, but yeah. I like the basic thing of like, of you know, spirit. Um, you know, some kind of aperitif liqueur, um, like vermouth primarily, and bitters. I'm I, happy. I I went to our features editor recently. It was like, hey, how about I write an article about who makes the best old fashioned in Frederick? And she loved the idea, so I get to go around and try. Oh, cool! Everyone in Frederick's old fashioned, and then there, write um, about. Are they? Uh, yeah, I think the thing I would say about the, those kinds of drinks is that they're 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 kind of blissfully. Uh, non-inventive because you're really yeah. you're, you're boxing yourself in you know like to a thing but that lets you focus on ingredients and the way they're handled like using great vermouth that's yep. properly cared for using bitters that are properly cared for in the exact um the volumes, right ratios ratios and, yeah. and then also in the way it's prepared like the stir and the ice shape and you know what i mean the dilution like there's just so many ways to. It better not have a neon cherry, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know what I mean. In some ways, it reminds me of like lager brewing. You know, less is more. Yeah. Subtle nuance. There's nowhere to hide. Nothing screwing yeah. it up. And and it, and you'll see this when you go around. Obviously, like I hope and pray that you're not <laughs> drinking any of the 1990s old fashions with like all that muddled maraschinos and all that in there. You know what though? I had one of those at Maryland Live when I went to see. Um, Dropkick Murphy's. It was actually really good. Well, yeah, yeah. It, can be. It, it, was, can be. it was made with bullet, and it yep. was. And I don't know that I had ever received an old fashioned that was muddled because I was looking at. It, I'm like, what is this woman doing? That is some old school and, stuff right there. And I was like, is this going to taste good? And then I drank, and I was like, this is so much better than I was expecting it yeah, to yeah. be. <laughs> It's um, it is fascinating though how like yeah, and so you know you'll see these like subtle differences and like and I think that that can be really cool and it shows also the um the talent of the the, the bartender. Yeah, you know, that's um, why I decided I'm I'm going to contact each place beforehand 
to let them choose when I come in and what bartender yeah, yeah. Like, I have. Let make them it, actually show you what they got. Yeah, because yeah, I, I didn't want like just I, to sneak up on them. Yeah, yeah that's I didn't just want to pop into a place, order one, and be like, "Oh, this sucked." And it was like some like because also I'm going to be going during the day. Yeah, right, so yeah. not it's not right. often necessarily yeah. that the best bartender is going to be working during the. So do you find that is our cocktails getting bigger around here? Or? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that's. I mean, Frederick follows DC's trends pretty yeah. closely. I think because mm-hmm. it. Um, I mean, we're. Uh, well, I don't know which cliche you'd want to use. We're just a bedroom community of yeah, DC right, exactly. or something. Um, so and I think it also too, just a lot of people from DC come <laughs> up here on the weekends to oh, right, get yeah. away from. Um, so yeah, there's definitely, there's, there's plenty of places in Frederick that put a very, uh, purposeful focus on their cocktail right. creation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes, makes perfect sense. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised that it's big here and that people are, um, into it. Um, and it's nice, you know, that lives alongside beer as well as it does. Yeah. I, I, and that's definitely, I'm getting much more into that world that obviously will never leave beer behind, but I, right. I just, it's like the next thing I want to learn about is yeah, the yeah, totally. more, get more into the distillery world and the unfortunately bourbons and yeah. <laughs> rye whiskeys, but not yet wine. Yeah. I'm <laughs> just going to keep avoiding that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cause I, I went to uh, McClintock last week and we, we did a barrel pick. That's a great. Place. Um, and oh my god, it was it was hard to choose. Like the well, there was one that was not great, but the like there were three of the barrels we tasted that were just phenomenal. Yeah. So we're gonna take that and then put it into a port wine barrel for five months, nice. and then because now it's that's the new hotness port port port, port finished, finished yeah, 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 yeah. bourbons. McClintock <laughs> makes great stuff. That that's a I a love their rye whiskey. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. Um, do you have time to answer some stupid questions? Sure. Who would win in a battle between a ninja and a pirate? Ninja. That's wrong, but thank you. <laughs> uh, does pizza, does pineapple belong on pizza? No. That is correct. It is hilarious how many people have sent me this meme of, or just pineapple on pizza memes in general but a ton of people have sent me this one of a piece of pizza with eyes and a mouth and stuff laying on the ground and a pineapple just saying shh no one has to know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because i am hard fast that pineapple does not belong on pizza name a famous person you would love to meet hmm I wasn't expecting this kind of a, wow, I don't know, off the top of my head. Anyone. Oh, let's see. Uh, Brian Cox. Isn't he? I don't know. Logan Roy from Succession. Oh, I haven't watched that. Although I've heard it. Yeah, I've heard it's amazing. Last night, so I put him up there. Oh, I, then it's time for me to start watching it. Yeah, I it's, like it's, it's season uh, series finale. I like waiting until it's, it's all e- done. Like yeah, you can blast through. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then, well, it's ready. And I'll tell you, it's one of the greatest um, TV shows that's been made in a long, long time. It's like kind of a soap opera, but 
really witty dialogue and fantastic. And he plays the uh, the scion of the the Roy family and 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 um, Waystar, um, which is the company, uh, and he's phenomenal on it. He also was, I believe, the first Hannibal Lecter in a uh, Manhunter, which oh, okay. was like the first that, that was before um, Silence of the Lambs. The what did. What did they, when they remade that? What was the name of it? It was um, well, the Red Dragon. Red Dragon, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Whenever yep, Anthony yep, Hopkins yeah. was like, "I can't, I can't allow there to be one, yeah. <laughs> one movie in the that franchise that I didn't play." <laughs> That's which, if you watch Manhunter, it's totally different than the than the yeah. Hopkins one. I almost he's he's slightly more demented in it than yeah, as yeah, playing no, it's, him it's, than it's Anthony Hopkins movie. was. It's, it's almost scarier yeah. in some ways. Yeah, it was definitely. I feel like it, it's hard to say that it was darker because of how dark, yeah, dark. all the other ones yeah, yeah. were. But it, I think it was definitely darker. Yeah. Um, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Oh, that's a good one. I think I wanted to be a. I think it's funny. I wanted to be a lot of things over time. Like you just evolve, you know. Yeah. Obviously, like baseball player, of course. Who doesn't want to be like play sports <laughs> for the rest of their life? Um, I wanted to be a doctor at some point. I think as well. Um, and then most recently, I wanted to be a college professor, and that's what I was really on my way to being before I decided to leave all that behind in search of restaurant business stuff. Probably equally as frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> Although the lack of tenure uh, for humanities professors has probably made my decision pretty pretty palatable in hindsight. If you were a wrestler, what would your walkout music be? Oh my God. I wish I had time to prepare for these. Could have come up with something good. Um, They're only good if it's on the spot. That's true. Um, <laughs> let's see. What would it be? I'd... Uh, Trying to think of um, what I've listened. To. I, I don't know. Maybe some uh, <laughs> some I guess some kind of like new wave song from like the the early eighties, like something from Joy Division or or, or something like that. Um, or maybe even like The Cure. Maybe Boys Don't uh, Cry by The Cure. That'd be kind of funny. I don't know if that would get Not the crowd going, but it'll work. Yeah, I'll, well, it depends if I'll, there were uh, goth in the yeah. crowd. <laughs> Maybe if it was an emo night at a That's brewery. Right, yeah. <laughs> if you were a new member of the Spice Girls, what would your name be? <laughs> ginger. No, there's already a ginger. You're well, a new I am member. ginger, though. I, mean, I know. So I don't know. Soul is spice. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, you can answer it for me. Uh, if you want a million dollars, what would the first thing you'd purchase would be? Mm. I'm not as much into things as I am into experiences. So I think the first thing I would do is just start traveling like crazy and try to burn as much of it as possible. And one of the places I would go is Burgundy because you basically need a million dollars to enjoy a full experience <laughs> there uh, with the wines. Um, and uh, yeah, I probably just spend as much time in Europe as I could um, and burn as much of that money off as I could. Who was the real bully, Daniel LaRusso or Johnny Lawrence? Well, I mean, if you're watching uh, Cobra Kai, it's LaRusso all the way. It's, it's always LaRusso. Yeah. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. What is it then? A hot dog. That's the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> if you're having a plumbing issue, who would you hire, Mario or Mario or Luigi? Mario. Why Mario? I just like his shape better. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> short and stout yeah, as opposed to. Awesome. <laughs> Is Nickelback a good band? No. <laughs> See that one didn't. Uh, you didn't have to hesitate well, on also that. Mario didn't take long either. I don't know if you know that's that was true. Yeah, ginger. I, I've been okay with some of these. What is the best Starburst color? Red, followed by pink, followed by orange and yellow. You got those. Ba- you got those backwards, but you like pink first? Yeah, okay. I think pink is the best. Um, I love asking this question to hospitality people. Mm-hmm. Is it acceptable to use a gift card on a first date? Yes. There's, it's a surprising number of people that have a strong opinion that I mean, no, it is not. I, here's what I would say about it is. Okay. What about a coupon? Again, if that's what makes or breaks you, you, you probably should yeah. be with that person. <laughs> that, 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 actually, maybe that's a good test. I think it's, <laughs> if you kill it otherwise yeah. and then you do that and you, you, of course, like make a joke about it and you play it up. Yeah. You know, like. My mom gave me this coupon for us to go out. I've been waiting. Yeah. I chose this <laughs> restaurant based on it. But really. You know, it's more about you and me and not the rest. Of, I don't know. But I think it could work. Um, but yeah, of course, the, the knee-jerk reaction is like, absolutely don't do it. But times are tough. I think if you got a gift card, you should use it and you, and you can make it funny. Uh, it might be endearing. Iced or hot coffee? Hot coffee. I used to be steadfast uh, cold coffee. But I've been I've been dabbling with hot coffee lately. I like which, I, I can do both depending on temps and stuff like that. But I I absolutely one hundred percent. If you're drinking great coffee, um, you're not go- diluting it with ice or just cold brewing it. Um, is not going to give you access to the flavors that yeah. the roaster intended or the grower intended. That's a good point. The way you get it from hot coffee. Um, and actually there's, you know, like I said, Cameo is our coffee shop in DC. That's, that's fantastic. Um, but we serve parlor coffee out of, um, Brooklyn and they're, they're fantastic roaster. Um, very, you don't see it much outside of the city, uh, outside of New York. And then, like I said, I was just in LA, a, a great roaster out there. It's called good boy, Bob. Um, and they just, they just source incredible beans, fair trade. They, they pay a lot for the beans, the people who grow them. Um, they source only the highest level of beans, and then they roast them perfectly, and they serve them. You're going to pay for it, but it's incredible. I, I prefer my beans to be exploitative. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not many people would, would admit that, <laughs> but, but they show it with their wallets. Yeah. Like I, I, I refuse to buy coffee if there's any fairness involved. Yeah, exactly. I'm, non, <laughs> I'm non-fair trade. What would the name of your biography be? Um, I don't, I, I mean, I'm just going to steal this because I'm a big fan of the office and Michael Scott always talks about how he's in the middle of writing his biography and it's called somehow I manage. Yeah. So I would steal that. I, uh, I did the, um, the chamber of commerce's leadership Frederick program and we had to, for our graduation, pick a quote for, to use. And I chose, um, the you miss 100 percent of the shots, shots you don't take, take yeah. but then I've Michael Scott or like however it was done by them yeah. where it's like Michael Scott then Wayne Gretzky or yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I like um, another one that I tend to use from from time to time is uh, when Andy Bernard says um, I graduated from anger management the same way I graduated from Cornell on time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Who would play you in a movie about your life? I don't know. I can't answer that. <laughs> That's weird. How, how would you answer that? I don't know. What what's celeb like I wouldn't be able to answer it. Though. I mean, yeah, I I I I'm going to pass on that one. <laughs> it's not an option though. <laughs> you can call a friend. I don't know who <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, take one from the audience. Yeah. Um all right. Uh, one more. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? No. Whoa. Is it, you That's think it a, I don't really care. I don't either. Uh, but most, a lot of people have a very strong opinion that so, it's a so Christmas listen, movie. The, the reason that my wife, Kelsey, is a huge Christmas fan. Like in general, she just loves the season. And it's gotten even better since our daughter was born. She's for Arlo. And they they just go nuts for it. Says so my she, wife and kids. They are and much so, to my chagrin. So I like, hate decorations. <laughs> I, I, I I like it, but I don't have as much passion as they do for it. But they they have you know just a laundry list of classics that they love to watch. And believe me, Die Hard is not on that list. <laughs> so I feel like people who say yeah. like Die Hard is a Christmas movie is just because they're bored of yeah. all the others and just are looking for an excuse to watch Die Hard annually, which yeah. I get. I'm cool with that. I mean, I do that with um. What's it called? The the documentary about the band, um, the Last Waltz, on Thanksgiving. Is that a Thanksgiving rock documentary? Yes, uh, I've never no, watched. But it, they but filmed it. it on Thanksgiving yeah. and they gave turkey <laughs> to the crowd. So that's my excuse to make my family and I watch the Last Waltz every Thanksgiving. So I I I don't hate on people who uh, love Die Hard Christmas, but I do believe that it is. Absolutely not a Christmas movie. My wife and I watch uh, Christmas Vacation every year while she wraps Christmas presents. One of the greatest movies of all time, let yeah. alone Christmas. It's amazing. Randy Quaid. <laughs> yes. Just crushes the whole thing. Yeah, it does. The scene when they're in the, um, the the store and they're conversing and the dialogue's really funny and witty, but he's just You're picking up dog Talking about piling. how broke he is, yeah, and just piling. But like the way he is acting, like yeah. to have this clear, concise projected dialogue as he is throwing 55 pound bags of dog food on like this it's just like amazing yeah it's a masterpiece it's so what, what is uh, i can't remember there's another one we always watch every year scrooge i can't remember no i haven't seen that in forever oh you gotta add it that is a master bill murray just is is unbelievable have you watched 8-bit christmas no oh my god it's amazing it's like a modern version of a christmas story and it, it's Neil Patrick Harris telling the story to his kids about uh, wanting a Nintendo or a Super Nintendo Entertainment it, did System. Did it come out for, recently? Or? Uh, a year or two ago. It's on HBO on Max, Max now. And it's called 8-Bit Christmas. It's hilarious. <laughs> I'll have to uh, check that out. Um, so Snallygaster's October 14th. 14th. When yep. do tickets go on sale for that? We are going to send out a save the date uh, over the next week and probably middle of June we're going to start selling tickets. Okay. Um, and, the, and the VIP tickets go very quickly, so it's always important if you want to get in a couple hours before everybody else to, to hit that up. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's coming up. And, uh, yeah, we can't wait. And, and this is going to be clear your, clear your calendar. Chris, you got to come down. Let's, let's look to see if, if October 14th is clear. It is so far. Well, that means it will stay. Put, yeah, put, I don't. Put a marker in there. I um, I decided that I would do way fewer 
beer festivals this year, so I have way fewer weekends where I'm I've committed Allowed. to something. Yeah, yeah. Although good. Oh yeah, I see. Yeah. yeah, committed and actually my wife's never given me crap about get all the going away for beer festivals for the weekend, surprisingly. That's amazing. <laughs> How old are your kids? Seven and thirteen. Oh wow. So yeah, you're past I have yeah. a four year old, so I'm still feel like I'm like starting. Yeah. We yeah, we've gone through that. Although it doesn't get easier. So if you're looking forward, yeah. yeah if you're looking yeah. if you're looking forward to easier, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not gonna you're not gonna achieve I think that. we're programmed as humans though to find each new phase exciting and new. Yeah. You know? Um and I can tell you teenage girl is not an yeah, exciting the, new face. <laughs> yeah, that's the one that you're like, okay. Yeah, I could do it. I think like in the old days they used to send the girls out of the yeah. house at that point for that reason. You're unclean. Yeah. No yeah. Uh did you uh, did you do the Star Wars stuff when you're at Disneyland? Yeah, so um we did only one. We were really kind of focusing on that we had a bunch of little girls there, so we were focusing more on those rides, you know? Yeah. But we the adults one night um, we're able to get sneak back out and do. We did Rise of the Resistance. That's so amazing! It's it's like. Have you been to Disneyland or Disney World? No. Well, I've been to both, but okay. Disneyland was th- 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 ten years ago before there was any Star Wars stuff. Yeah, we yeah, took, yeah, yeah. We took my el- oldest when she was like three, yeah, but yeah. It, we were visiting family in California. What did you think? I, I loved. I. I Honestly, this is like the best vacation of my life. I loved Disneyland. Now we we went all in because we were like, yeah. we're gonna do this. We're just gonna spend the money. We had the genie pass. We had like we spent money on like the Lightning Lane. So I went to Disney World with adults only, oh boy. <laughs> because one of my one of my friends uh, that's what he wanted to do for his bachelor party. So four of us that's a good one. went to Disney World mainly just to do the Star Wars stuff, um, and. Because none of us had families with us, we could also we could afford to do yeah, to go, yeah. go all out. It's and amazing if you do that though, you step right to the, yeah, front of the line. I didn't. The longest line I waited in was like five minutes. Yeah, it's it was. A, it's did so they great. have the Indiana Jones ride? We didn't. We didn't. They have the Indiana Jones. I don't. It's not a ride. It's like the show. You mean? No, there's a ride in. Uh, oh, in okay. It's pretty cool. We did not do that. Um, we also like weren't stressed about making sure yeah, we no, had a lot of rides, yeah. like because we had yeah. to obviously mix drinking in yeah, a yeah. lot. Did you go to Epcot? Yeah, we did. That's the, where the drinking is the yep. best. Oh. oh my god, the avocado. Um, why can't I think of the name of the margarita at in the Mexico? Yeah, 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 it was so good. Yeah, we're already trying to figure out when we can get Disney World. My parents live in Florida. Um, so it wouldn't be difficult, not far from there, so it won't be difficult, but like, so obscenely expensive money, man. Oh my God. (laughs) But I don't know. It's, it's, it is, I, I'm somebody who would be like, wasn't sure it was worth the money. I think it was, it it really, it was that fun, um, this time. So, um, it's magic. They say happiest place on earth. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's what they say. See, I, I, the whole time. I was there. I just kept thinking, like, my kids would be making this miserable. Ours didn't. And honestly, <laughs> I think that that's the – I mean – But I think that age is actually good. Yeah, There's four less is good. three yeah. – Nora was three, so she – like, they're just mesmerized exactly. by everything. They're not They're not freaking out. They're not yeah. bored. They're not yeah. like, oh, I want to do this instead. They lack the ego, you yeah. know. But I, you're right. That's a good point. I will say as somebody from the hospitality industry – Wow, did they make me feel small as far as like the the service and hospitality that they offer 
it's oh, it's insane. Well, I mean, they're also a hundred World like how many yeah, billion global, dollar yeah yeah the global. I mean, <laughs> but it's but it's put to good use, and honestly, yeah. it was impressive. Like the the touches. Uh, it's just they just know what they're doing. So that was that was kind of a fun thing from from like well, yeah, business I mean, They definitely think of everything because I mean, there's I mean, everything probably has a team of thirty people yeah. thinking about that but one. Somebody is managing that team yeah. extremely well. Yeah. You know, it's it's really kudos to them. I was impressed. Uh, I feel like there's probably no one easy answer for this. But how do people stay up to date on all the happenings of all of the all the different places? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we uh, you know, the best thing is just to get on our eblast list. Um, if you go to any of our websites, whether it's Church Gear, Blue Jacket, or Brewery St. X in New Orleans, or uh, Grand Delancey, we didn't talk about that place up in New York City, our beer bar in Lower East Side. Go to the website, sign up for the emails, and uh, follow us on social. And you can stay up to date. But the emails are a really great way. We tend to send them out every two weeks or so. And we do so many events that they're always informative. Um, they're also the way to find out we're going to have like really rare can releases, um, bottle releases, things like that. So check them out. Pick your poison. Um, and uh, yeah, follow along. And we'd love to see you at any and all of our places uh, if you get out to do it. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.